stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning. I'm going to share with you today on Job 14.14. And Job 14.14 says, If a man dies, shall he live again? And, uh, and that's the question that, uh, that is the centerpiece of the life of Job. Uh, he, said, he continues to say, he says, All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change comes. So he sees that, uh, that, that death leads to something, but he don't know what it is. So he raises the question, If a man dies... Shall he live again? The Bible is very clear about this. And yet it's a very difficult question because you only deal with this question when you face death. Now remember that you're talking about Job. No revelation from the New Testament. No, no hope from the Gospel. No prophet here to tell him what to say or to think. This occurred 15 years before Christ. Remember, Job was the grandson of Jacob, a perfect and upright man. I mean, he pleased God. The book of Job is the oldest book in the Bible, written, I think, by Moses. And uh, one of the things about Job that I remember from Israel was every time that we go to Israel, we, we go to, the, uh, to Job's spring. And uh, I don't know if it's, it's across Peter's premise, I think, down the street, down the road, about 100 feet. And we go into this uh, decline going through the woods, and it's all wet down there. And we come upon a spring that germinates water day and night, 24-7. And there's round rocks everywhere, sure the... The rocks need to be round because it, it's, a, it's a spring that works all day long and all night long. And, and in that spring, it's called Job's spring. Job would come and he would sit there and try to be relieved from the pains of the boils. He had boils all over his body. And he, he would rest there, Job's spring. So... The question remains that I want to say, if a man dies, shall he live again? And that's the question of ages. A lot of people ask these questions when they come to know Christ and know uh, Jesus Christ as their Lord. And, and so, uh, I want to pose this question to you today. In the, in the three verses of Job 14, 14, Job explains his struggle. And the first thing he says, Surely will you count my steps, but not track my sin. So Job had an obscure idea of sin. And he approached it by simply saying, You can't track my sins and keep post of my sins. I, 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 I don't think you do. And of course, remember, this was an upright and righteous man, meaning perfect and upright. He, did, he pleased God in everything he did. The second thing there is, is he, he said uh, on verse 14, was my offenses 
would be sealed in a bag. Meaning that all of the things I've done wrong are, are hidden inside of a bag and you never look at it again. Remember, he is 1,500 years from Jesus, from, from the birth of Jesus. Then the third thing that he says is, you will cover all my sin. You will cover all my sins. Meaning, meaning something you've got to do because I'm an imperfect man. So, question, does, does this answer the question that Job asks on verse 14, part A of the, of the Bible study this morning? If a man dies, shall he live again? What do you think? A lot of people, a lot of Christians have a major belief in this area. And they are very much, uh, very much uh, 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 completely uh, cleared as to answering this question. But I'm talking to people in China. I'm talking to people in Korea. I'm talking to people in Africa. I'm talking to people all over the world. And I want to ask you a question. If you die, shall we live again? Shall you live again? So, it's an interesting question. Now, one of the ways that Christians approach this is, is a question of faith. Meaning, the Gospels preach the ministry of Jesus, but faith is based on a personal experience with God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God. But it's based upon an experience. Don't you? Have you ever had an experience of meeting Christ and having a, a, a relationship with Him and experiencing something? If you never had, it's very difficult to have faith. But about 35 years ago, I had a personal experience with Christ. And it touched me. Physically, it changed my life. So I want to tell you that <laughs> I come from the basis in the concept that a personal experience with Jesus Christ is unforgettable, overwhelming, and so powerful that it changes your life completely. You know, this week... I've been thinking about uh, what I have done in the last 40 years. And what I've done in the last 40 years is so prevailing in my life, so overwhelming in my life, so involving, so overpowering. That is the result of that experience I had with Jesus here in Athens, Georgia. So the first thing I want to tell you is that if you have a head an experience with Jesus, a personal experience with Jesus, you have no problem with this question. And yet, uh, I have no doubt that when I die, I shall live again. Now, the manner in which I live and where I go is a different question. But I have... So my, 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 ex, my faith is based on the idea that if He touched me, if He did something for me, if He blessed my life, 
if he overwhelmingly changed me, then it's impossible that he don't have for me something after this life. So I raise the question to you, if a man dies, shall he live again? If I may, if you die, would you live again? Now, my personal experience. The second thing that I want to tell you that increases and helps us to deal with this question is that Jesus, <laughs> in the Bible there are eight resurrections. And uh, uh, I've been studying this this week and uh, it's an overwhelming thing that when you read the Bible you find resurrections everywhere for instance the widow's son remember the prophet Elijah came to the house of the widow of Zarephath in 1 Kings 17, 17 Elijah laid on top of the boy and the boy was resurrected the Shunammite boy Elijah's, Elijah's successor, Elisha, resurrected a boy in the town of Shunan and restored him to his parents, Second Kings 4.32. That's another resurrection by a prophet. A man in a burial place, a corpse, a man who had recently died, was hastily left in the same burial place where Elisha's bones lay. When the man's body touched the prophet's bone, the man was resurrected. Then you have the son of the widow at Nain. Remember, Jesus came in, in the procession of death, came to the gate of the city of Nain. And Jesus came and said to the woman, Do not cry. And then he spoke to the boy inside of the coffin. He touched the coffin. And the boy was resurrected. Jairus' daughter. Remember the little girl who was, was dead. And Jesus came to her house. And uh, in John eleven thirty eight. Remember Peter meeting Dorcas on the ninth chapter of Acts. She did so many things and good things. And he uh, prayed to God and, and, uh, and spoke to the body of the of the woman Dorcas, and she was resurrected. Eutychus is the last one. The young man Eutychus died when he fell from a high window. When Paul was preaching about two-hour sermon, Acts 20, and he came to life. So I raise the question to you. All these eight resurrections in the Bible, do they point to something specifically? Jesus prayed with the widow of Nain, Jairus' daughter, and Lazarus. And of course, I'm talking about uh, 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 eight, eight, nine resurrections in the Bible. Three of them done by our Lord. And so, that helps us to be able to understand and be able to bring forth to us and be able to see if Jesus resurrected Three people from the Bible that are eight resurrections. Then there's something about resurrection that it really is pointing to. You might not understand it. You might not comprehend it now. But that's okay. You know, I'm very skeptical of people who know everything. 
because all of us have different experiences in, in our lives and, and we think in different terms. Amen? So, let's take a look at something else. Now, at the end of the ministry of Jesus, He begins to say things about resurrection. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me shall live even though they die. That's a, that's a very specific and very powerful statement, isn't it? Meaning, it means that uh, the one who believes in me, the one who put his faith in me, will live. Even though they die. Now that's very encouraging. Okay? And I'm not talking about uh, uh, that every time you lose a loved one or someone you cared for or someone, you, 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 your father, your mother, that you're going to be very happy. I'm very skeptical of Christians who uh, simply begin to rejoice and sing hosannas. Okay? Because dealing with separation is real. And very, very, very real. And very painful. And I never met anybody who loves somebody or cares for somebody. You know, I think maybe the reason why they're happy is because they got rid of them. Had enough of that woman. Thank God for taking her. No. When you love someone dearly, there's a moment in which you're going to mourn. And mourning is a process. Uh, by the way, as an evangelist, I have been to many, many, many churches. And one of the greatest problems in the church is people who live in the cemetery after 30 years. 30 years of life after death, and they still haven't been able to deal with that. So extended grief, it's a very serious illness in the life of the church. Mourning heals you, so you don't have to be extended grief for 30, 40 years. So I'm speaking from experiences. So what type of life you live when you die? Because, you see, if you are going to answer the question this morning, and, of course, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, uh, look at, uh, at the question one more time. You know, if a man dies... Shall he live again? We're dealing with a light and a, and a belief of what's going to happen after you die. And I'm talking to people that are Muslims. I'm talking to people that are, that are Hindus and from, from India. And, 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 and their belief, their understanding is completely different. Well, there's a river there that is the most dirtiest river in India. And they say if you take a shower there... Uh, you are cleansed from all your sins. So, I'm talking from the Christian perspective. At the same time, I'm talking to a lot of people who, who don't know uh, uh, much about this eternal life. So, first question I want to ask you. What type of life you will live if you come to live again? If you die, shall we live again? If you die, would you live again? So, if you live again, what type of life you have? Well, in Proverbs 14.32, there's an interesting verse. You know, I researched some verses all week long, and I came 
map with an interesting one. He says, the wicked man is thrown down by his own sin. But the righteous, now, the righteous man has a refuge even in death. Now, the righteous here is, is uh, 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 what Paul calls one who practices righteousness. Because no man is righteous. All of us have sinned, fell short of the glory of God. But the righteous man, the, the one who tries to do right, has a refuge even in death. Isn't that interesting? That if you die, there's a refuge. And I, I'm not telling you about Jesus now. I'm just saying to you, there's a refuge. I know you believe in, you know, in India there are 300 gods. 300 dialects. 300 dialects. So, how about John 12, 26? It's an interesting verse too. It says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, my servant will be as well. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, my servant, where I am, my servant will be as well. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So two things on this verse that is very strong. Number one is to where Jesus is, you're going to be with him. And second, the Father, talking about God. If anyone serves me, the Father, Jesus is referring to God, will honor him. Now how can God honor you? He honors you if you honor the Son. And if you honor the Son, you have refuge in him. Okay? Now let's take a look at Philippians 1.23 which is a little stronger there. I'm torn between two, the two, heaven or hell. I desire to depart and be with Christ. It's far better indeed. So Paul is saying, just before his death, I'm torn between this idea of, of, of going in two separate places. I desire to depart and be with Christ. It's far better indeed to be with Christ than to be separated from Him. Alright? Now then, then we come to 2 Corinthians 12. This is Paul. And Paul is a very, very important person in the New Testament. He wrote 14 books of the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, get one. And there are 14 books that the Apostle Paul wrote. And he said, uh, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body, I cannot tell. Or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such one was caught up in the third heaven. Now that's a very, 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 very uh, loaded verse of Scripture. You know, you that, that never heard this Scripture, you probably say, Oh my goodness, who is this crazy Paul? What is he saying? He's saying that uh, you have a body. It's a physical body. Over here in Athens, Georgia, in the Evergreen Memorial Cemetery, there are three or four thousand bodies buried there, decaying. 
Okay? Uh, you have a spirit, which when you are alive, this spirit communicates with God. It is, it is the spiritual part of you. And then you have a soul. Now, in Christianity, Jesus wants to save your soul. Why? Because when you die in Jesus Christ, your soul, what is your soul? You id, your emotions, who you are, how tall you are, how, how, how overweight you are, how, how skinny you are, <laughs> how hairy you are, how bold you are, the way you do things, the way you work out things, your personality, you know. All of us have this personality. We like, we, when you look at a person, you see the person and the way they do things. <laughs> you know, that's, you do a little laugh like that, right? You're just, you're just a person. Now that is your soul. That lives eternally. The soul that you have, who you are, lives eternally in heaven. What is heaven here? It's a place to where uh, God is and the angels are and the throne of God is. It's a beautiful place. Christians believe in heaven. The question is, <laughs> what goes to heaven? Your body, your spirit, or your soul? Well, first of all, your soul. Your body stays here. But your soul goes to heaven. There's not a single soul in the cemetery in Athens, Georgia. And by the way, a lot of people believe that. Believe that. That when you die, you're dead until the day of resurrection. Right? It's contrary to all kinds of scriptures. It's the most depressing thing to believe that you are buried, soul, spirit, and body down there on the hole for the rest of your life. Until Jesus comes. That's a, and, and, and by the way, it is a, a theology that is a life very much so in America. It's all over the internet. So, so, what is this men caught up in heaven, in the third heaven means? It simply means that there is a place to where Second Corinthians is actually the verse of scripture that is very debatable. 2 Corinthians 5.8 We are confident, I say. What do you mean confident? I believe in this. And would prefer to be away from the body and home with the Lord. Now, let's take a look at this. What do you mean you're going to be away from the body in present with the Lord. Because when you die, your body is decaying. Your soul, who you are, is in heaven, waiting the resurrection. Now, we are confident, I say, and I would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Home simply means present with Him. In Luke 23, 40 says, Today, and this is a man who is with, 
who is being crucified with Jesus in, in, in the cross. And the guy on our left said, listen, you, you deserve what you're going to get, but him, he don't deserve it. There's no, he did nothing wrong. And Jesus looks at this man and says, Today, you will be with me in paradise. A place where the redeemed are after death and before coming to the, of the kingdom. Now, is this something that we need to look at it? Because we're trying to answer the question, If a man dies, shall he live again? So are you telling me that Jesus was lying on the cross before he dies and trying to make a confusion about theological things, about everlasting life? He said to the man, today, not tomorrow, not yesterday, not a week from now, not three days from now, today, today, you will be with me in paradise. Well, the only way you can answer this question, if a man dies, shall he live again? is understand what Jesus said to this man. See, when he said to Jesus, this man has done nothing wrong. He don't deserve to die. He saw in Jesus holiness. He saw in Jesus sanctification. He saw in Jesus purity. Because all men have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He's telling in his spirit, not knowing this is a robber, this is a murderer, he is simply just saying what he's, he felt because he was close to the Son of God. He said, his men never done anything wrong. When, you, when, you, <laughs> when he said that, he prophesied and he spoke that the Son of God is pure. And when he said that, Jesus have, said, my gosh, even in... And on the cross, hours before I die, I find people confessing their sin and, and confessing that I am the Son of God. That is why Jesus said today, you'll be with me in paradise. Now, how can we solve this problem? And answer this question to the fullest. Those of you who are watching me this morning, you probably wonder, how in the world, Pastor Rick, you're going to say, uh, what makes you actually live again? Because you see, it's not a question of just when you die to live again. Remember the men at the cross confessed that Jesus was the Son of God, pure, without sin, has done nothing wrong. So how do you handle this? Is to understand the cross of Calvary. Without the cross, you hang in limbo. You hang in purgatory. You know, purgatory is, a, is, a, is an interesting theology. It simply says that if you didn't take care of your sin while you live, when you get to purgatory, you're going to take care of your sin when you get there. But by faith in Jesus Christ, that He died on the cross for our sins, it begins to deal with eternal life. In other words, without the cross, 
you got a big problem. When Jesus died on the cross, He took upon Himself all the sins of the world. He separated you from the, your sin as the east is separated from the west. I could, I could, I could, I could. In other words, the definition of the ministry of Jesus is in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, for whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, if you read Isaiah 53.5, it's a little stronger. Now, who is Isaiah? Isaiah is a man who lived a long time ago before Christ, you know, around there a thousand years. He was wounded for our transgressions. Transgressions is, is uh, curses, things we do without knowing. He was bruised for our iniquities. Iniquities is, is engraved sin. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So what do you mean by that? It simply means that Jesus took upon Himself all our transgressions and iniquities. Look at uh, Hebrews 2.14. It's a very interesting verse. It says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, He, Jesus, also Himself, likewise took part of the same, that through death the cross He, Jesus, might destroy Satan who had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them, the captives, through fear, from fear of death, all their life, subjected to bondage. There are two things that you that accept the cross now, that Jesus deliver you from it. Number one is guilt of sin. And the second is fear of death. Guilt of sin, in fear of death. And if you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, you then can say, O oh, death, where is your sting? O oh, grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God through Jesus, which give us the victory in Christ Jesus. Acts seven fifty five is the story of a young man called Stephens. And Stephens, before his death, being stoned to death, he saw the glory of God in Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, question. Where are the saints in the Lord? Where are they? Revelation 2.7 says, To him... That overcometh, what do you mean overcometh? Have been pure, have been righteous, have been taking communion, have been giving their lives to Jesus, having served Jesus, especially the servants. Jesus says, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Your loved one, the one you love the most, it was a 
person that love God and serve God and confess Jesus Christ, they're in paradise. A place designated for those who love Jesus Christ. So to be absent from the body is to be present. Your soul is in eternity already. Your soul is not on evermore green in the hole somewhere down there. Jesus came to save your soul. Died on the cross for that purpose. But don't you believe anything else? When you die, you're going to heaven. To every generation, He gives the joy of His salvation. Oh, God's mercy so amazes me. As I watch the world around me, I can see His from the seed of Abraham. And led them through the wilderness into the promised land. In boundless love and mercy, He gave His only Son, who became the sacrifice for everyone. Oh, God's mercy so amazes me.